Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks of UCR's Counseling and Psychological Services. I'm joined by my co-host, child and adolescent psychiatry fellow, Dr. Tosha Yamaguchi. Hi, Tosha. Hi, Dr. Parks. And third-year psychiatry resident at UCR, Dr. D.M. Wynn. Hi, D.M. Hi, Dr. Parks. The views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speaker. They do not represent UCR, UCR Counseling and Psychological Services, or UCR School of Medicine. We also have another special guest, and that would be Genji. Genji. That's your dog. My dog. He's my so well-trained. He's not barking. <laughs> He's very quiet. He can be very quiet, yeah. But if we hear him chewing things... It's probably going to be the bully stick. <laughs> well, okay. This time I didn't bring the bully stick because oh. I have a corrections for the audience. The bully stick did start to smell. Some people feed their dogs vegetarian diets. Did you know that? That's terrible. I, think I that's haven't terrible. heard that Isn't before. That terrible? It, My mom's friend did that because they were vegetarians. And so they just fed like the dog whatever they healthy. were eating. That cannot be healthy, can it? I don't know. The dog just ate like tofu and rice all the time. <laughs> I don't That can't be good. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so on today's show, we're going to talk about how to lose a license, mostly on psychologists, because I'm a psychologist. And I'm. this is something I used to do with the interns, the people I supervised. It, it would be like we do at least once once a month. I would gather all these stories that I collected from the Board of Psychology. The Board of Psychology used to, not anymore, they used to send you an email with very convenient links that you could click on and then you could read the part of the public record. It was part of the public record where people were in court, um, psychologists were in court to have their licenses uh, uh, surrendered or revoked or they had disciplinary actions they had to pay a fine mm -hmm. and things like that and so it was kind of a I, I used it as a cautionary tales mm -hmm. for the people that I was supervising but now I've noticed that when I went back and prep for the show it's much more difficult now to uh, read it in this compiled form there's not like a database that you can just kind of peruse you know knowing what is going on and what what is how do people go wrong why do people make these these choices and these decisions so you can you know prepare and, mm -hmm. and not do it not sure. make these some of them are, it's a mixture i've noticed it's a mixture of absolutely terrible terrible decisions personality problems addiction and i think i think just a just boundary problems that they just started people start drifting away Mm -hmm. And they started making boundary problems. It, some of them were quite sad, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know how I feel about those emails. So the emails publicized like what happened, why the practitioners had their licenses revoked. Is that? Yes. Um, uh, the emails would be links to the public record where you can read about these things, mm -hmm. and it it would give you a mixture of anxiety and thinking about like how is that possible how mm. how did this happen because you have to think about it was probably uh, a gradual process mm -hmm. now i know that in, you know in a study like in 1992 the the number one reason people lost their licenses psychologists lost their license were sex with clients mm -hmm. but then it like 10 years later it became dual relationships and sex with clients was like four three or three four or five it, it was would a, you say dual relationships dual relationships is like um like like you you hawk, you're hawking your book to clients <laughs> or you're entering into a bartering relationship like they're painting your house or something 
or loaning you money or something or yeah no it's not good and you know when i was i was so it goes outside of the bounds of the professional relationship yes yes now and sometimes i mean you sometimes when you're a small town psychologist you can't avoid some a little bit of of a dual relationship and so you know really the apa is saying you know if that happens you want to make it very limited you want to inform people about it and that kind of thing but um you know, when I was reading through them, because the board does publish like a quarterly um, uh, kind of um, a newsletter, there were there were some really shocking ones. Like there's one about um, a psychologist uh, smuggling in meth and um, mm-hmm. getting cell phones into prison and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. That was quite shocking. Um, but you know, I remember when I actually had my own supervisor. I, I just came upon, I was just reading them and in supervision, I read my own previous supervisor oh, had her dang. license uh, taken, she had to surrender her license. Oh, wow. Yes, and it was for sex with a client. Oh. Yes, and immediately I thought, wow, I did I see that coming? I didn't, I really didn't? didn't see that coming. Hmm. No, she didn't act in a, like a really seductive manner or anything, hmm. or, or did she have poor boundaries? She did have poor boundaries, though. But I wouldn't think that she would have sex with a client. Hmm. I thought I thought she had poor boundaries. What kind of poor boundaries? Well, I mean, she. I felt like she was hypnotizing me without what getting, <laughs> getting my consent. So I, I, I mean, what are you supposed to do it as a supervisee? I just kind of like uh, okay, I, I did. I I just kind of played along. I think she thought I was hypnotized. She because she was oh, into hypnosis. Dear. No, and I, I thought feel you like, couldn't hypnotize anyone you can't. without their consent. You can't or their willingness. And to she be might have thinking she, that was some sort of meditation. But then she said the same things that you would say as as the hip hypnosis was done to to kind of bring you out of it. You no, know, so we like, should do an episode on hypnosis. Do you believe hypnosis is effective? I Tosha? don't think I'm ready to talk about that. But you know what? <laughs> I <laughs> I thought that your um, suggestion for this topic was timely because um, I don't know if you guys if you guys saw in the news, but um, last week, February twenty eighth, a doctor Keith Curtis in Riverside um, lost his license because uh, he was arrested. He well, no, I guess it just says he was arrested um, because he was found practicing high on meth. And he had like a a store of guns, like big guns, multiple. Um, so he was arrested for all that. So I'm hope hoping that he loses his license. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. No. Do you know anything about state uh, about psychiatrists that lose their licenses? I don't know a lot, but I I did look into. Um, like specific cases i couldn't honestly i couldn't find that much but um the medical board of california has a list of doctors who have suspended revoked terminated licenses by the board and um, i kind of just went through them one by one to try to figure out what the story was and a lot of them most of them i couldn't hunt down the story Granted, I wasn't that motivated to, but just doing a basic Google search, I didn't find anything on a lot of these doctors. Um, and I'm wondering if they had, if they like paid for that sort of thing to be scrubbed, um, unless you did some hardcore digging into the internet. I don't know. Yeah. 
I also wonder, like, how much of this is publicized, right? It must be, like, one yeah. big case out of hundreds of cases that, like, get publicized. Probably. So, Just for the sensational value. Mm-hmm. What I did find was that um, basically a lot of uh, fraud. It was a lot of fraud. I would say mostly fraud. Um, there was a couple negligence cases. Um, but I would say t- just, like... Maybe eight out of ten are fraud or kickback schemes, so financial things. Um, and about half of them were orthopedic surgeons. Whoa. <laughs> what is, I hope that, I wonder what that says about them. <laughs> There's a 2013 child molestation <laughs> by an orthopedic yes, surgeon. Yes, which oh, is no. yeah. yeah. And keep in mind, these are all in California. Well, I, I do have one study. Um, this was done by. Um, James and Theodore Morrison, um, American Journal of Psychiatry in 2001. And so um, psychiatrists were significantly more likely than non-psychiatrist physicians to be disciplined for sexual relationships with patients. Mm. So what do you make of that? It's really interesting because I was thinking about this in therapy, that I'm constantly encouraged in therapy supervision to lower my boundaries. I agree with you. Like my supervisor is always telling me that my boundaries with my patients are too strong and that I need to like be more like comfortable and more friendly and more like relation. Yeah, more casual. And I I don't know. It makes me really uncomfortable because like medicine has trained me to Mm -hmm. and all my years of like school has trained me to like have pretty strong boundaries. Now, does he, he now to be fair to him, is he saying that um, boundaries are good, but he he wants you to some somewhat uh, like open up emotionally and be emotionally more emotionally available, yeah. but still have strong boundaries? Is that no, what he's thinking? He, no, he's telling me, yeah, that I need to open up very emotionally, very intimately with my patients. And he's like, I I, I think like your tell boundaries, them personal things. Yes, Whoa. he wants oh. them to start. I don't know. Yeah, about he wants that. them to. He wants okay. me to start sharing my personal life with patients, and I'm very uncomfortable. And I'm just I don't understand because I feel like that like. There is an intimacy barrier there that, yes, it we would probably connect better on a relational level if that barrier is gone. But at the same time, I think the barrier protects us, but definitely protects me. And I, I it makes me really I wonder, uncomfortable. I wonder if that specific advice has to do with his uh specialty in therapy like what's in his, his relational right. relational therapy yeah. right see, okay. see that's what i was going to say i feel like psychiatrists are more psychodynamic slash psychoanalytic right. freudian that you should talk about the relationship between you and the the, the client the mm-hmm. patient more often there's you know you're talking about transference and countertransference and things like that and i think that that is much more um much more frequently a topic of therapy in psychoanalytically inclined folks, which I think psychiatrists on the whole are a little bit more. Now, I'm cognitive behavioral. I find that I don't talk about the relationship nearly as much, not nearly as much. In fact, I'm probably more on the lower end where I don't say things and I don't share my personal life. And again, I've I've said this already on the show that you go into my office and I'm like, who who are you? Because right. I don't have things around my office right. that show anything about my personal life. I like life. being bland. So Other than like, my bike. There's no like, mm-hmm. strong emotions there. Yeah, and you know, you know, when I was doing prep for the show, um, too much self-disclosure was a road to um, poor boundaries and right. having sense. problems. Yeah, yeah. What, what happened, um, I, I remember reading this study about um, sex with clients 
And one of the things they did is they started talking about how they were having marital problems or they started crying in front of the client or mm -hmm. they started sharing these kind of, or the client was asking them, probing them for personal information and they would share it. That's yeah. not good. Because you're, you're making it a relationship right. that's not a therapeutic relationship. Right. You always want to ask yourself, is is my is my self disclosure is my personal sharing my personal life is that helping the client how what type of therapy is that mm -hmm. how is that well, mm -hmm. I think in his case, my patient has a really hard time connecting with other people. And so he is trying to have me form that connection with him, with this patient, so that the patient can replicate it with other people. Mm -hmm. But it's that connection, just forming that connection with that patient in that way. And I can just see, like, the barriers going down. And you're, he's probably right. Like, my barriers are pretty strong that I'm not going to, like, you know, have sex with my patient but but it, it it's a slippery slope but what? i can see where it goes especially because i feel like i don't know if you feel like this with your patients dr parks but especially in therapy it's like the patients consistently turn to you and they want to know exactly they want you to tell them what to do and it's i feel really uncomfortable with that most of the time i tell them you know you should do it i think that's like a, a big misconception about therapy i think a lot of people out there think that therapists are going to be the one who tells them what to do yeah, like direct who has the answers yeah but then you find out that actually therapy is about helping you find your own answers right right yeah you know i I do you know, well. It's it's a more straight ahead question. I just feel like for for cognitive behavioral therapy, it's more straight ahead. There's things that's that you true. do. There's that's homeworks so, you have. Yeah. Like so there's CBT cognitive right. behavioral yeah, therapy. Yeah. That's like a, a different. That's a specific type of therapy. It is. It is. And people are listening. Don't think you're going to get a lot of homework from me or cognitive behavioral therapists. It works. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but anyway, it's just more straight ahead. It's more a little more structured. You there's know, things to do. I think going back to what your comment was about. Um, what like psychiatrists being more uh, targeted for um, talking about the relationship the relationship bound crossing boundaries and things even talking about sexual attraction in the therapy session right oh my gosh well, I think part part I wonder is if some of it has to do with the stigma around psychiatry because when you talk about any other type of doctor I think people might assume that it's more of a seduction rather than a power dynamic over the patient. Like I've overheard a woman talking about how she's made multiple appointments to orthopedic surgeons just around town to try to date them. Oh, okay. Like, do you think that there's someone out there trying to make an appointment with you, Dr. Parks? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, not that's because good. it's you, but because it's this like therapists, psychiatrists. I don't think that that's yeah. like, you Bird. know, no, I... no the, like there's a conception that like no one wants to date or marry a psychiatrist or a therapist. Like, Go so, the so then guns. if, if there's someone who's interested in a, their therapist or psychiatrist it's because that psychiatrist or therapist has hypnotized them or had some sort of Ooh, mind okay. game over that some sort of power mm. dynamic rather than, um, uh, you know, the other thing. Maybe I, it's just I, a little I, more forgiven in the other ones. You know, I think the American Psychiatric Association ha is stricter on th sex with uh, patients that they... They're stricter than... Than, than just non-psychiatric doctors. I think that... It, I, I, I agree. I think that, like, there is a power dynamic there because you are getting into people's minds. It's a one-way yeah. relationship. I, I, I think it that. should be. It shouldn't be opening up. I, I don't... I agree with you, DM. I would not 
want to open up personally. So I do I do feel that it is more of a one-way power play thing. But I'm also wondering if there's this other piece of it that there is some stigma with um, with psychiatry in particular and having relationships with patients. Well, I mean, well, I mean, per- perhaps. I mean, again, and the statistics show that they it happens more, I, which I which it kind of shocks me because I feel like um, just just like non psychiatric doctors they're they have they have a more uh you, you know permission to you know or license or the allowance of of doing this after they they have terminated with the patient mm-hmm. then it's it's more acceptable but they just kind of warn people mm-hmm. about it but it but it's i i i i have to i think i remember it was like around 13% 13 or 20% where they had where doctor non psychiatric doctors had 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 some sort of um, have had a relationship or something with with a former patient or something like wow. that. Wow! It was some it was some ridiculously high number. I thought it was kind of high, but it was didn't mean sexual. But it was. But I think that there's more of a an allowance um, for non psychiatric doctors to do, which shocks me. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like um, that's a really mm-hmm. dangerous road. Mm-hmm. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Let's Get Psyched on KUCR, and we're talking about. Uh, licensing and how how do how how do psychologists and doctors and psychiatrists lose their license? Um, with the American Psychological Association, they make a stipulation that it cannot be sooner than two years uh, post therapy. So there has to be at least two years, and the burden of proof is on the psychologist to prove how this is not in any way damaging or using your over abusing your power. Um, or and there'll never be a client. The, the, there's a strong burden of proof to the psychologist to prove that um, you know entering into this relationship two years after hmm. um, is going to be uh, beneficial. That's interesting. I don't know what sort of stipulations we have. I I think there is like a timeline. I think once you are in a relationship with a, a patient, I think it's strongly discouraged that not like actually a no no, but strongly encouraged that you can never have a relationship with them afterwards. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah I, I found that yeah. um, the American yeah. Psychiatric Association was saying like you you just shouldn't have it. Yeah, they didn't have a two year. Thing. I wonder though. I wonder if it's access. What you were saying. So, in terms of if you think, um, in terms of specialties within medicine, most of when we think like doctors who lose their license for addiction and other stuff, we think uh, anesthesiologists or anybody who has mm-hmm. like a, a lot of easy access That's to right. like medication. Oh, and so, yeah, I, it's point. interesting to think that is it our access to our patients like privacy our access to like their yeah. emotional content intimacy, the right? intimacy, intimacy. Wow. that intimacy. like it That's makes a us point. a higher risk too and uh, honestly i think i see my patients especially my therapy patients in a lot higher interval than like their primary care doctor or their orthopedic surgeon right right That's it's true. more like an ongoing seen, relationship yeah. it's an ongoing yeah relationship. like adhd patients i see every month yeah. patients with adhd i see every month to refill their um, stimulants right yeah and therapy would be yeah. much more it, frequently weekly exactly. or every other week right and if I see a patient for like more than a couple months usually I start discharging them back to primary care yeah because I'm like you're pretty stable if I can push you that far yeah. ahead so I do wonder if like it's just because we have we're seeing our patients more frequently and we have such intimate 
level of knowledge with them. We're comfortable asking certain questions that Mm -hmm. other doctors... And they become comfortable sharing, like, in a very intimate and friendly level almost Mm -hmm. with us. Now, when you sense that a client or patient has a sexual attraction to you or is physically attracted to you, how do you respond to it? You have to address it. You have to address it. Like how? Yeah. I notice you have a sexual attraction to me. <laughs> okay. Um, I just remind them about the boundaries. I'm going to of remind you about boundaries. You know? Yeah, okay. that you know I'm, I'm your doctor. A really right We're in a patient doctor relationship, and we have to keep things professional. Something so you, like that. Okay. I haven't had to say it for a while. Do you honestly. use it as a since you know psychoanalytically inclined people would use it as their part of therapy? What what I'm sorry I, I missed that. that because she's I like I actually haven't had it. You haven't used it for a while. I haven't had to say it for a while. She's had a puppy. <laughs> she's had a child. Ever <laughs> since I stopped doing my hair. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> What does that say about how you how you come into the office, Osha? No, um, uh, well, I mean, so you're not using that as it's part of therapy, which I think psychoanalytic people would do. They would just use that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What about That's me is yeah. leading to those feelings and that yeah. kind of thing. And so, okay, so See, yeah, I guess. But for you would me, just keep going, though. I think for me, I would just personally feel safer if I address it right away, just like head on. It seems like after you put it into the room, though. It would be hard to move on to the next topic. Um, well, maybe I could address it that way and then explore it the I therapeutic think when way. You bring it up. Most of the patients become confrontational. Have you brought it up? No, but we took a training class on how to, on how I've to bring this it. up. I've done yeah. it with a couple patients, and they, they immediately it? dropped it. They were just like, "Yeah, okay, all right, yeah." Because you, right. you could tell, you could tell, or something. Yeah, was it obvious or not, or subtle? Um. I, I've only done it when it's pretty obvious okay. and I feel pretty confident about it. Because otherwise words? I don't want to like it, it ruin the rapport by making them feel uncomfortable or something. Okay. Are there words? Is, is it their, their words or they are trying to like ask you out for like, what do you yes, do after? Yes, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's that sort of thing. All right. Well, I mean, it hasn't happened a lot with me, but I think that and in a super obvious way, I feel like every once in a while, you can, you know, I've had, I could tell that it might be mm-hmm. happening, but it's only happened in a super obvious way a few times. And I feel like um, once I did say, okay, so um, I'm noticing that this is, one, one time the person just went out and said it. This is what I'm feeling. Mm. I'm feeling this about wow, you and yeah. that about you. And then, so we talked about it in therapy and then it, we, we talked about how it might interfere with therapy as far as reporting things accurately, following through on things, um, wanting to please me rather than, you know, um, improve your life or um, how, yeah. how much does it occupy wow. your consciousness? We don't want it, it to interfere with therapy. And so mm-hmm. it went okay. It went no, okay. That's great. It sounds like but usually if a... I sense it, I just let it lie and it goes away naturally. Is that I'm I'm probably some supervisor out there is going to be that's the worst thing you can do, Doctor Parks. You need to talk about it up front, as everyone must do. Well, I do let you it go lie. To like your own therapist, uh, kind of as a CYA. I wish I had a really good therapist that I knew that I could go mm. to, and that was cheap, but it was super good. <laughs> but super good. Uh, but I don't. That doesn't exist in the real world. Mm. Um, no, no. I almost feel like um, it would be good. I, w- I feel like I wish I had no copay. Like I, because th- mm. I have Kaiser, mm. but Kaiser, mm, 
I don't have like <laughs> yeah your super... therapy is gonna happen once every six months <laughs> see that's the thing I want <laughs> weekly <laughs> therapy yeah, or every other exactly. week with someone's like awesomely good I'm not saying people at Kaiser are not awesomely good I know some really good folks there but I'm just saying I don't think I could get that with Kaiser mm. I'd have I'd have a copay that's number one it kind of irritates me that's why I want Medicare for all <laughs> and then have all the therapy I want. Um, but but anyway, but you know I know going back going back to our um, our, our actual topic. What was that? Nothing. What? Okay. Okay. All right. Well, going back to our original topic, I do remember reading a study that profiled psychologists that had sex with their clients. So, oh, that's interesting. Yes. Tell me about it. So middle age. Okay. So damn. That, uh, <laughs> that's me or darn sorry uh, um, now had marital problems I don't really have marital problems so I'm glad I'm not, not there had their own therapy I've had my own therapy you don't have to compare it to yourself no I know okay. for sure I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely going to compare it to myself have had their own therapy I'm I've feeling had my some own therapy. defensiveness over here but they, but, but they also had their problems currently I don't feel like I have personal problems currently but but those, those were the profile characteristics okay. to then entering into a sexual relationship now once they did the people that were actually still in a sexual relationship, they reported that it was great. Of course, <laughs> of course. But it's endorphins. <laughs> I, there you go. Fifty percent though said it was terrible and they should never have done it. The mm. average length of time was six months mm. of the relationship. That's pretty long. That yes. is long, yeah. Yeah. That's but impressively long. Yeah. But I mean uh, so have you known anyone have, that has lost their license or been close to losing license or had sexual relationship? No. Um, you know, there's all, there's lots of, there's lots of things. There's like, it's like, how about supervisee? But intern? I did I, listen to the Dr. Death podcast. That was really that? good. It was about a neurosurgeon in Texas. who was like causing, um, a whole bunch of terrible outcomes with his, uh, cases and his cases. Um, and he couldn't, he wasn't stopped until these two other doctors just kept like investigating on their own and like filing complaints with the medical board of Texas. The medical board of Texas did was really hesitant to do anything. They they were really slow doing things. The hospitals um, helped him along, like kept hiring him, kept him around. Didn't tell other hospitals who were about to hire him about the bad outcomes that he had at their hospital. Oh so he just kept practicing for years oh, and. Lord. And um, he ended up, I think, killing people. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So. Um, Wait, and he had a podcast? No, there was a podcast about yeah. him. It's called oh. Dr. Death. It was it's really good. It's only just about him? Yeah. Yeah. It was just, uh, yeah. That's not a, a short-lived podcast? It's like, what, eight episodes or something? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it like was, a mini it was really good. podcast. But I think it highlights just the issue that medical boards of states are... Um, slow but they don't can't you communicate just, well with each other yeah can't so you, you just don't move do to another well state you can move to another you move, state and yeah, you can yeah. also surrender your license before, before any sort it, of action yeah. happens before you're taken to court before you're you're punished okay. you can surrender your license and move to another state and apply for a license practice. the other medical board won't well, know about the well, other thing okay so you just, you just when they ask you have you ever had to surrender your license you just lie and say no i don't they don't, I don't ask think they have if to you know surrender about that. they yeah. ask if, you, if you've ever I've lost seen it. they ask your well all psychologists things i've uh, they say oh, have you ever surrendered your license even know. when you try to um, apply for malpractice Maybe, insurance it they probably depends on the state maybe california does but other states don't we don't want to give a, a primer 
on doctor deaths <laughs> out there about how to avoid detection. But okay. But this is this is a real th- this is. is a real issue. Like there are lots of doctor US so USA Today in 2013 they made they completed an investigation that showed that um, from 2001 to 2011 nearly 6,000 doctors had their clinical privileges restricted or taken away by hospitals and other medical institutions for misconduct involving patient care. But 52 percent greater than 3,000 doctors were hit with disciplinary action by a state medical board. That's probably a so very that means small that, percentage. Like 50 percent weren't. Do well, you know I what mean, I mean? Yeah, no, it's very small percentage. That's that kind of um, mirrors um, in psychology. So, psychology, I think there's like a a point, like there's a point, like just there's a two percent complaint rate, and then of those, only 20 percent have right. any disciplinary action at all, and then. 0.13 like less than 0.1% uh, have like they have to lose their license or anything like that. So it's very low. It is yeah. very low. Yeah. The other thing, I mean, to I guess defend the medical board, they don't have a lot of money, I suppose, to investigate. I don't really know. But um there's some issues with the medical boards like the peer review committees. They're kind of uh, appa- uh what is it? They they excuse the problem. Do you know what I mean? Like they protect their own. That's an issue. It is hard when you think about all the levels of training that everyone has done. And then to take that away from someone 15 years of schooling over, you know, you getting drunk and then doing something. Uh, Oh, oh my gosh. (sighs) So I think that's one of the biggest things is is um, psychologists losing their license for um, drunk driving. Yeah. But, um, you know, which is terrible because you lose your license for a year and then you have to go to um, which is I, I I'm not saying I disagree with that, but it's it's you just do not want to drive drunk yeah. or under the influence. There was like Thank one. God for Uber. Yeah, there, there, there was one story I read that where someone um, went to a party and then went outside and kind of tried to sober up, but then the police saw her in her car and immediately gave her a drunk driving kind of um, uh, ticket, and she lost her license. Well, that should do it. And I'll leave it on a neg- on a sad note. <laughs> that should do it for us here at, at Let's Get Psyched. On this edition, we talked about um, losing licenses for psychologists, uh, doctors, psychiatrists. Thank you to our co-hosts, Dr. Toshi Yamaguchi and Dr. D.M. Nguyen. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for the show, write us at getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. That's getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. You can also catch us on every streaming platform in podcast form. Listen to our old episodes for sure. Special thanks to our producer, Elliot Fong. This episode was recorded in the studios of KUCR on the campus of the University of California, Riverside. I've been your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks. Tune in next week for another edition of Let's Get Psyched.